Mark A. Altman, Darren Docterman, Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became... Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78. Available now by subscribing at trexpertsplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. By your command, here's a sneak peek. You made me all wet, but my martini's still dry. Oh, dear. (laughs) Um, But I I remember, you know, so where did you first hear about this? You remember, Steve? Uh, There's going to be not just one Bond movie coming out. There are going to be two. Now there are two of them. It was probably in something like Starlog, which mm-hmm. I had a subscription to. Um, and so the, the excitement was building. Although I, I remember when I heard the next movie was called Octopussy, I was, you know, 1983 was a very different time. And I was not comfortable saying that title out loud. <laughs> I felt very embarrassed. I didn't want to say, hey, mom, uh, can, can you take me to see the new James Bond movie? Octopus. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I was totally excited. And uh, yeah, I remember seeing it on a big screen and, and it was just blown away. You know, I remember reading all those articles. They're running out of Ian Fleming titles. What right. are they going to do? Right. They only have, what was it, Octopussy and then a couple of the stories like Property of a Lady and Quantum of Solace. Right. And they, they were all saying... They're never going to do any of these. They're going to be original titles. They're never going to use them. And then they announced the next movie, Octopussy. You know, <laughs> and it was like, okay, <laughs> okay. And um, and 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 so Octopussy goes into production. It's interesting because uh, even at that point, people were saying, "Oh, is Roger Moore too old for this role?" And the one thing that Cubby Broccoli decided, you know, because he he. Basically, um, Roger had had a three-film contract, and now he was negotiating on a film-by-film deal. So he mm-hmm. had him over a barrel because it was kind of like, are we going to st- introduce a new bond against Sean Connery? We have to have Roger. Mm-hmm. So they were in a really difficult negotiating position. They had to basically pay Roger wh- whatever he wanted, and they, they get him back. But I, you know, I- so subscribe today at trexpressplus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the rockets. Twenty-two fifty once, twenty-two fifty twice. Last call. Fifteen hundred. Well, the bid is already up to twenty-two fifty, sir. I still say fifteen hundred. I have twenty-two fifty. Do I hear twenty-five? Twenty-two fifty once, twenty-two fifty twice. Twelve hundred. Sold for twenty-two fifty. And now. Twenty-two fifty for that chromo. Oh, 
Number 110 in the catalog. A Louis Carr's carved and gilded leader of pole. Would somebody start the bidding at $750, please? Uh, how do we know it's not a fake? It looks like a fake. Well, one thing we know, you're no fake. You're a genuine idiot. Thank you. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman. And this is Ashley Miller. And we are the inglorious... Experts. And... Took him a minute. <laughs> what? What'd you say? It took him a minute to figure it out, but well, he got you know, there. I, I, I'm pondering. I'm in the midst of pondering. I have pondering. a lot to ponder. Yeah, this is the season finale. This is the fifth yeah. season finale. And it might be time for me to go. And I'm just feeling very nostalgic about it. Well, it is the, the end thing. of our five-year mission. It's the end of our five-year mission. But you know what? We know what happened to Captain Kirk. He took a desk job. It was not his first best destiny. Commanding a podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you you yeah. must you, you must do what you feel is right, of course. You want to be out there casting pods. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, regardless of whatever my decision is, we're going to go out on a high. Because today's a very special episode. Sold to the highest bidder. And I bid 400 quatloos. I think 400 Quatloos will not even make a dent in the uh, level of uh, bids that there's going to be. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's it's heartbreaking because there's so much I want, which I can't have. There's some things in this life you can get <laughs> have, and there's some things you can't. And apparently this is something I can't have, but I can, I can admire it from afar. Of course, I'm talking about Heritage Auctions, amazing auction of the Greg Jean collection on October 14th. And 15th. Now, anyone who listens to this podcast knows about the legendary Greg Jean. Uh, he was not only a collector, but a brilliant um, miniature builder, uh, a wonderful human being who passed away last year. We did a very special episode with Bill George, which uh, a tribute to, to, to Greg. Um, he was a good friend of Darren's. He was a, an acquaintance of mine and actually never met him. Never. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but his, Legacy will live on forever through this incredible collection that is being auctioned off. And uh, we have a real treat for you today. We have the VP of um, Marketing and Publicity for Heritage Auctions, uh, Robert Wolanski. And Robert Wolanski, both Darren and I go way back with Robert Wolanski. He used to be a journalist for Salon Magazine, The Hollywood Reporter, a whole bunch of, whole bunch of great He's a great writer. He's a great writer. I was I was very happy to find him in our orbit once again after many many years, and uh, he'll be sharing all the details of this incredible auction. All the deeds uh, from our live panel in um, in 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 Austin. But I have to tell you, this is a very special treat for fans of this podcast. A very special treat because uh, we are um, going to. Um, uh, be able to offer you, thanks to the largesse of Heritage Auctions, a free copy of the um, auction catalog, which I think has a retail value exceeding $100. Um, yeah. If you email Robert at robertw at hw.com. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Robert W at ha.com. Ha. The guys ha. at hw.com are going to wonder what the heck yeah, is they're going gonna on. Yeah, they're going to be pissed. They're going to be really <laughs> pissed. Why do they keep getting these requests? So if you say that you heard him 
or saw him at Inglorious Trexperts and uh, email Robert W at ha.com, he will send you a catalog for the auction. Now I'm warning you, if you get that catalog, you may want to take out a mortgage on the house. You may want to sell <laughs> your kids. I don't know because it's truly spectacular, isn't it, guys? Oh, my God. Oh it's my God. Uh, it, it's uh, unbelievable that one person could have amassed such knowledge. It's, he's like V'ger. He's like V'ger. Like, yeah. Like exactly. yeah. He, he had everything. He knew all that was knowable. He learned all that. He collected everything. I mean, stored it, in every detail. Preserved in perfect detail. It's Truly. like a complete record of geek film and TV history right there. You just, you can't believe page after page of what you're looking at. Everything from, you know, stuff from Star Trek, like name your series, name your movie, um, to Batman 66, to the Green Hornet, to Space 1999. I mean, my God, yeah. guys. Lost in space. Uh, uh, so many, you know, so many things that we particularly enjoy, uh, because of our uh, demographic, but it, it is, it really shows a, uh, a consistency and a love for this stuff, yeah. uh, that, uh, went through his entire life. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, for those of you who are fans of the podcast, um, you know that uh, Darren and Ashley and myself were at GalaxyCon Austin this past weekend and uh, where we had an absolutely uh, wonderful time. But I want to share something with you guys. As, uh, as Darren knows, um, on Monday, we had a very late flight out. Um, so uh, I decided I was going to go to the LPJ Museum at the University of Austin. That's Lyndon um, Baines Johnson for you Lynn, younger people. Yes. That's not a sandwich. Lyndon yeah. Baines Johnson uh, Museum at the University of Austin. So uh, I Ubered over there uh, on Monday. And uh, as I was, they have this great thing where you, you pick up the phone, you can listen to these actual conversations. And I had just finished listening to a conversation fascinating between LBJ and Robert Kennedy. And, um, uh, it was just uh, really spectacular. I think I just left the Oval Office when, uh, I heard Mr. Altman, Mr. Altman. I turn around and this gentleman says to me, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry to disturb you. I know this is your time, and you're, but I just want to let you know I was at the convention this weekend and your panels were really wonderful, really spectacular. And I just enjoyed the convention and I enjoyed you gentlemen so much. And I just had to say something. So, you know, I, I you know, he, he said, I'm sorry to bother you. I said, no, it's no bother. And we had a nice, lovely conversation. And, and he wasn't uh, in a scooter. No, no, he he's great. He's a he's um a professor of political science at the University of Houston. So um, I said, yeah, and I said, oh, you know, what, what's your name? And uh, this is this. He could, I, I thought he was making it up. He says Woodrow Wilson. I said, no, really? <laughs> the no, ghost Woodrow, of Woodrow Wilson. Wilson? Wagner. But uh, so it was no surprise to find him in a presidential museum. But anyway, when I got home the next day, I found this um, lovely email. That he sent to Trexperts Plus at gmail.com, where you can also send your letters and hate mail. Um, and he wrote the following, and I really want to share it with you. He said, I wanted to thank all of you delightful humans for leading such thought-provoking and entertaining panels this past weekend at GalaxyCon. You were the absolute highlight of the three-day convention for me. Three wow. of my favorite moments of the weekend came from each of you. Um, Darren, your Gene Ronberry impression was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Ashley's wow. sharp, instant Trek lore recall made every conversation very entertaining. 
And the topper had to be the adulterated pure ecstasy that Mark experienced live as he flipped through the Craig Jean catalog in real time. <laughs> it was the same joy I used to feel when the Sears Christmas catalog arrived at our house in olden times. Wow. And I flipped to the Star Wars toy section. There's definitely a unique and engaging chemistry the three of you have. Please keep up the good work. I look wow. forward to listening to your podcast soon. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. I, I, I like Woodrow really Wilson nice. too. I, yeah, thank you for sharing exactly. I, I, I think I'm going to go back and I've changed my whole mind about the League of Nations. I think the League of Nations <laughs> was such a bad idea. After all. So, um, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, he, was, he was terrific. A really nice guy. That's and great. It was nice. And I have to say, look, you know I'm no fan of politics in Texas, but the people we encountered in Texas were wonderful. Just wonderful. So many great fans we met. I have to start with John Carney. John Carney is a longtime listener of the podcast who could not have been nicer and, and offered to help us with stuff. He ended up mailing a box of mine back to, back to the, um, uh, you know, um, and it just anything we needed. He was there to help. It was so, it was such a kind. He was, he was a big supporter of our, um, uh, uh, our, Kickstarter, which thank you to everyone who listens Indeed. for funding it. We we funded this weekend uh, successfully, and uh, we're we're starting pre production almost immediately. We'll be filming early next year. Um, what a thrill, isn't it, guys? Oh my god, incredibly exciting! And we know we we blew through the uh, the 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 roof. The roof. The roof is on the, fire. The roof. <laughs> yeah, the, roof. the fire. And, uh, the fire. But, he was. Know, he was so very gentle. <laughs> he died in a fire. <laughs> died in a fire. Um, <laughs> um, so many other great fans that we met. We met uh, another great podcaster. Uh, Forgotten TV's Chris Cooling yep. was there. Uh, Brandon from Talking Bay ninety four. And you know, and one of my favorites was we we met this guy Mike, um, who. Um, I think he's a, he's a trucker, and he was telling us he's you know he spends a lot of time in his truck listening he's a, to he's a truck spurt. he's truck. a truck spurt <laughs> listening to the podcast. Lovely guy, uh, and he after hearing the con the musical episode, he he and his brother flew to New York to go see the con the musical. Wow! Because after hearing the episode on our podcast. Which was uh, which was great because I understand people on the East Coast, you know, they'd hear it, they go, but he literally like got on a plane and went and so thank God he liked it because that would have been the worst had oh he not had he not enjoyed It'd it. It'd be expert. Yeah. <laughs> and you That's noticed, great. The, yeah. So it was it was really nice, and you notice it was a little homage to uh, Captain Kirk's death in in Austin. Did you notice that? No. No. It was that bridge from the Fairmont Hotel oh, to the Convention yeah. Center. Oh, yeah. That... It was kind of like the Valley of Fire. It was yeah. Austin was the Valley of Fire. It was like 104 degrees all weekend. Well, yeah. it was it was 101, but who's counting? Yeah. Okay. Right. Sorry. Evidently, I, I don't mean to mince words, Bones. But uh, but it was it was this weird serpentine, serpentine. Like, <laughs> asphalt, narrow asphalt bridge that was hundreds of feet in the air. And I mean, no, it was about 50 feet in the air, maybe. Maybe. Whatever. It was two stories. Take my story and make it less dramatic. So we we don't want to lie to our listeners. And it had this little grating on either side. Right. Little grating. It was like a little rat maze. It was a rope bridge. And when we were halfway across it, uh, Mark pulled out his machete. It was the craziest thing I ever saw. Totally. I was waiting to confront the cult. 
Yeah, it was it was completely <laughs> Temple of Doom. And I realized I didn't have I didn't have my gun with me because of course they said there was a sign that said you can't carry yeah. concealed weapons in the uh convention center, apparently, um, because it was Texas. Um they love their guns. And uh, but you know what I loved? I loved the chocolate chip cookie that was waiting for me when I arrived at the Fairmont. They were really good. I'll so, have to take your word for that. Well, do, uh, Darren, you remember <laughs> this. Do you, Darren, Darren, do you remember? Ashley certainly does. Remember we went at San Diego Comic-Con with the with uh, with your son, Caden, and a couple of other people. Yep. We went to that restaurant in, in San Diego, and we said, oh, we're going to get this delicious cookie platter for dessert at this at mm -hmm. this restaurant. And they they tossed a bag, a little bag of three chocolate chip cookies that must that look like they felt like chips ahoy like out of the grocery store i i thought when we ordered the, the cookies they would be on a plate they would be right out of the oven they would you know be like hot back, and chewy. back in back in the time of lola's like in the time of lola's exactly and i was really excited because you know i don't need the calories but if i'm gonna have them i want i want them to be tasty and these cookies were so awful not the ones at the Fairmont, I'm talking about the ones in San Diego. So disappointed. And even your son got what I was saying. You know, he didn't understand why I said it has to be the enterprise, not enterprise. But he did get why I said, you don't put on the... I remember the waitress came up, the waitress said, how was your meal? And I said, it was lovely except for the cookies. And I think she was a little surprised because, you know, it's, it's so perfunctory. They always expect, oh, how is everything? Oh, everything's great, right? But she asked and I felt she deserved an honest answer. So I said, oh, the cookies weren't so good. Not so good. They were they were they were hard, and they, they were not chewy. And they came in a little bag. They weren't great. They were heated. <laughs> I, I said these are not very good cookies. I was a little disappointed. Uh, she, she did not appreciate the answer. I no. said, don't get me wrong. You, the service, everything else was fine. Cookies not so good. Cookies yeah, not well. so much. Did not yeah. stick the landing. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about the restaurants yet. We'll save that for afterwards uh, because we did have a wonderful time in Austin. I, I got to say, uh, yeah. this was a what they were wonderfully hospitable to us. Um, we met really great people. It was a fabulous convention, and um, we had a great time. And some great panels coming your way in in the months to come. Uh, as uh, but uh, but for the moment, we're we're about to share something very special. It's our our, our sit down with Robert Wolanski of Heritage Auctions. Ah, as we talk about the amazing auction that's coming up of the Greg Jean collection, October fourteenth through the fifteenth through the fifteenth. That's two days. Two days. October fourteenth through the fifteenth. If you're interested in uh, you know finding out what they have to offer. Or participating, maybe making your own bid. I bid eight hundred quatloos. Nope, <laughs> nope, eight thousand. Nope. How much do you think the Galileo Seven is going to go for? A boatload. You know, I think uh, I think it'll go for a pretty penny. I'm guessing at least at least twenty grand. Oh, probably I think more. more probably I think seventy-five thousand at least. Well, maybe. maybe. Yeah, I mean, you get how much did the like Enterprise sell for to Jeff Bezos? Well, that, only, that only went for 240000 Okay, well, I think the Galileo 7 could go for at least 75000 And remember, it's not the Galileo 7. The Galileo 7 was the people that were on the Galileo. That's true. It was just the Galileo. It's just a, it's just a, a coincidence. No, but wasn't it the seventh shuttlecraft? It, it's just a coincidence. I believe that, that his call sign was, in fact, 7. So it was the Galileo yes, 7. slash 7. They got seven shuttlecrafts. The Columbia, SS Columbia, 
And the but, uh, Galileo. And but the one after that is called the Galileo 2. So would it be the Galileo 2 7? No. I don't know, Darren. You may be onto something. <laughs> wow. That is. It's, um, it's like the Chicago 10. When Drexperts attack next on Fox. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? You, know, you might be right. It, I may be crazy. You may it, be it, right. Itic, infinite yeah. diversity and infinite confusion. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll now um, uh, let's uh, let's join uh, Robert Walonsky with the Trexperts talking about Heritage Auctions' phenomenal auction of the Greg Jean collection right now. Stay tuned, and we'll be back afterwards with a few closing thoughts. We are delighted today to welcome a very special guest. Um, we're going to be looking at. An once-in-a-lifetime, unprecedented auction of some of the greatest Star Trek props and miniatures and costumes ever assembled. Um, sadly, it is the result of the passing of the great Greg Jean uh, about a little over a year ago. And he had the most remarkable collections going up for auction. And from Heritage Auctions, we have um, the VP of Communications and Marketing and Publicity, Robert Wolanski. So, Robert, welcome. Thank you. What an honor. <clears throat> um, if you don't, uh, by the way, there's, there's stuff up here if you need it. Catalog, uh, direct mailer, if you want to look as we uh, play along here. We have a little sampler of what you'll find now, in the auction. It's like a poo-poo platter. Only Even if you don't have a spare million dollars to buy some of the stuff at auction, it is fascinating. It is a, a Hollywood history. It is more than that. It is our history as a culture of pop culture. And um, I want, we're going to talk about some of the items today. Uh, when are you officially announcing the auction? So you're getting a very sneak peek at all of this, uh, a little preview. It doesn't open until September 8th, Star Trek Day. And the auction takes place October 14th and 15th in Dallas. So if you are in or around Dallas, feel free to come by. The preview begins September 26th. Big story in the AP that'll uh, have appeared by this time. Yeah, this is a big thrill. This is... Um, it's such a thrill that I decided we could talk about it early just with the three of you. Yeah, that's, look, we're, 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 we're so happy because I know you haven't, it hasn't officially been announced yet, and it's great to be able to talk about it here at Galaxy Hunt because there really, to say there's not been nothing like this before is true. There have been auctions that when Paramount, um, after Enterprise, sold off everything, or most of what they had in the archives, uh, it doesn't even compare to what the Greg Jean collection is that's happening right now. Well, I mean, Greg was a, for everybody who knows, Greg worked on myriad Star Trek projects, beginning with the 1977, the TV show that wasn't. He worked on the, uh, the motion picture. He worked on all the television series. He worked on everything, pretty much. But, you know, he's a, he was Oscar-nominated twice, both for Steven Spielberg. He did, he designed with Ralph McQuarrie, the mothership from Close Encounters, the maquette of which is in this auction. He worked on 1941 with Spielberg, also Oscar-nominated for that. And Star Trek Oscar-nominated, I mean, Star Trek Emmy-nominated, and for Angels in America. So the man had an incredibly long and wide-ranging career. As you well know, you, you knew Greg. I, I knew Greg, and the, the great part about it was, even before he started working in the industry, he was a, a fan of Star Trek specifically and many other things. But in the late 60s, 
like around 1969, he was working with the people at Lincoln Enterprises, which of course was uh, Majel's uh, company that would sell all sorts of things from Star Trek, including film, film clips, clips mm-hmm. and uh, scripts and, and all sorts of uh, other tchotchkes, that's the technical term. Uh, but uh, he was you know, well ensconced with that and he knew Gene and he knew Majel. And uh, he, at that point, had started collecting detritus from the original show and from Batman and from uh, other things that he uh, really enjoyed. He he really enjoyed the Green Hornet. Uh, He really enjoyed the Shadow, the radio shows. And he was just an incredible fan of all of this stuff that we love. And he was always willing to share his enthusiasm with everybody, which was awesome. He was the sweetest guy in the world. He would, uh, he would do anything for you if he could. Um, but the, the way his collection started was very simple, but he was also sort of very peculiar about what he protected and what he kept. How so? Well, he, he put everything in his house. And, the, and, and, and didn't let the sun uh, hit it ever. Um, but uh, the other thing was that uh, he would sometimes restore uh, these uh, items that he, he procured. And uh, no one would know that they had uh, been damaged at all. Um, and uh, the great thing was that he, uh, no matter how messy or uh, uh, big the accumulation of things, he knew where everything was. It's, uh, it's kind of fantastic, his, uh, his memory about this stuff and, and where he got it and, and uh, you know, where it was first used and all this sort of stuff. It was really amazing. Robert, my knowledge of auctions is largely um, comes from watching like Octopussy and uh, That's, I, I North, get Northwest. That, yeah. So I, I would love to hear how exactly the process works how the collection, in this case, the Greg Jean collection, comes to you, how, how it's valued, and then how the auction proceeds. If you can just sort of take us through how this I'm happy to. So Heritage has been around since 1976. It was the first auction house to actually be online. So you don't have to be there to bid. You can do it on your computer. You can go to ha.com and you can watch the auction. You can bid. In fact, starting September 8th, you can begin the bidding. So the live auction is the 14th and 15th. It's divvied into two sessions. The catalog is in two parts, as, as you see there. Look, it's, this came to Heritage because several employees at Heritage were very good friends with Greg. In fact, Brian Chanis, who works at Heritage, spoke at his funeral mm. last year. So it's very simple. Everybody knew Greg at Heritage, and when he died last year, um, it sort of came to us that way. And everybody, look, I mean, this is... Not our first rodeo when it comes to Star Trek stuff. We we sold the phaser rifle from right. the cage last year for where six, no man has gone before. I mean, nowhere no one has gone before for six hundred and forty-five thousand, something like that. Could have bought two for that price. Nothing. Yeah, but look, it's you know, it's I've seen a couple of phasers come through, and look, I gave up a thirty-year profession in print journalism to go to work at Heritage for stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, you and I met, Mark, I should say, 25, 30 years ago when I did a piece on Star Trek for Salon. I'm, I have, I've, I'm a, bit of, a big fan of Trek Navigator, which I thumbed through uh, on great occasion. 
So, and you and I met Darren 23 years ago when you were yeah. doing Star Trek The Motion Picture for the right. first time. The first round, yeah. First so, I love all of this as much as I love anything in the world. It is, it's a thrill for me just to be here with you guys talking about this and to be with everybody talking about Greg and Star Trek. But the fact that we have the only existing Botany Bay. Mm -hmm. Botany Bay? <laughs> I know, I walk around the office going, Botany Bay, <laughs> Botany Bay. And my colleagues are, they think I'm insane. But, but you don't have the horrible belt buckles with the rubber. No, that, that, that's not wrong. We do not. But we have the, the styrofoam cube, the salt, the, uh, there's a lot of stuff. The Kelvins, yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's talk about it. Crew member. What are some of the things, like from a personal perspective, that you're most excited about uh, going up to auction? Because we have the catalog right here. And, I mean, it's just... Well, there's 560 lots in the auction. But that 560 lots include... Like one of the lots is several hundred unseen production photographs from a single episode. I think uh, there's stuff from number of episodes from motion picture, from many of the movies. There's a whole ream of photographs just of um, Michelle Nichols. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff in here. There's costumes worn by pretty much everybody in every TV show and every film. For me, it's a big thrill. We had the AP in the other day, and for me, it was just a big thrill to see every single Shatner costume mm -hmm. from the original series all the way to Star Trek Generations. I mean, we have the jacket from Wrath of Khan. I mean, just to see that jacket mm -hmm. is incredibly important to me. To see the vest from Mirror Mirror, to see the formal wear from the court-martial and the, the casual wraparound. There's another remarkable piece of Shatner that you have up for auction. Well, I mean, all right. So Darren asked me, do you have, what, what box was it in? It was in a Max Factor, a brown cardboard Max Factor box. And the reason I know this, because I got to visit Greg at his house about a month before he died. And we were, you know, a couple of friends of mine and I visited him and he was very sweet and he was, you know, he was glad for the company. And uh, he was showing us all this stuff that he had and all these, uh, he was enjoying our attention to this stuff with him. Later in the afternoon, Greg says to me, hey, Darren, why don't you go into that, uh, that second bedroom down the hall, uh, reach up on this shelf and grab the box that's on there and bring it in here. So I did. And... It was, like I said, this Max Factor box, and we opened it up. It was like opening the Ark of the Covenant. And we opened it up, and there in the box was in perfect condition season three Shatner hairpiece. It was beautiful. And it looked, it, you look at it and you say, oh my God, that's his hair. It's here. They scalped him. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. So I told this today to a Star Trek actor of some renown. I mentioned that we had William Shatner's hairpiece. And he asked me very specifically, was it his real-life hairpiece or was it his work hairpiece? I said, no, it's the, the season three. He goes, well, you know the story that Shatner would drive to work, take off his hair so he could put on his other hair. And we have his other hair. And the funny thing is, every time I try to show it to somebody in the catalog, I immediately turn to a triple page. Because <laughs> they are very identical. 
except the hairpiece is pristine. <laughs> and it's combed. It, it looks like Shatner is in a box. It's real and it's magnificent. That's right. I find that unsettling. And it also purrs. It's really nice. <laughs> Sounds like a pigeon. And what's great, you talk about all the costumes, but there's so much beautiful stuff from the cage. You know, um, the phaser. Yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know, the cage featured a guy named Captain Pike, and then there was like somebody named Number One, and uh, Lieutenant Ortegas, who was a dude. Right. Uh, it was just Ortega. Ortega. But, yeah, you, I mean, they're tr obviously tricorders, phasers. So the page you have, yeah, the other. Right here. The inside page. Inside. This one, yeah, the inside page. Your inside voice. Oh, Which, uh... The Vulcan loot. Yes. Yes, oh, I was just looking at that, the Vulcan yes. loot. There's which, the Vulcan loot. Which, of course, uh, Spock played in numerous episodes, including the classic Everyone Loves the Way to Eden. Um, yeah, brother. But first in Charlie X, I believe, I think... The fascinating thing about the loot, it's the only thing in the auction that has a copyright Paramount Pictures on the back of it. 1969 Paramount, because it was clear that they intended at some point to mass manufacture, and they never did. And can they you imagine did. the groovy music that would have been made oh across gosh. this country with the Vulcan loot? I know. Wow. I mean, somebody could have had it at Woodstock. It would have changed the world. Um, th this is incredible. This just shows you the depth of his collection. This is um, the um, USS Antares crewman tunic from Charlie X. And the starting bid is, uh, starts at $2,500. Running the Antares was easy. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's not just the usual suspects. Um, oh, my God, and I didn't even see this. Batman's utility belt. Several. So Batman was the first thing that he really began collecting, as I understand it. In the 1960s, yeah. yeah, in the 1960s, that stuff was a few hundred dollars. And Larry Edmonds, who had a bookstore on Coanga, I believe, you could go in there and he actually got some stuff from the different studios, including some Batman and Star Trek. So they had the utility belts from Adam West Batman. And Greg bought all of them. Yeah. And we have all of them in the auction. Batarangs, bat spray, all kinds of stuff. So if and you're going swimming and you need some bat shark repellent... We have no shark repellent, which is very disappointing. Right. Because that's from the movie, and they that kept that stuff separate. That is right. For some reason. But, I mean, look, so you and I were talking about this today. Greg got a lot of this stuff in many different ways. He was an early collector. He would go to the early conventions. Yeah. He was obviously in the trade, so guys like, oh, I made that ship. Oh, I'd like to have that ship. I'd like to restore that ship. Can you give me that ship? Here's right. that ship. Then he was also... He was rescuing from studios because most of this stuff, if not all of it, was never meant to survive. Right. The Botany Bay was Bless never meant to survive to 2023. It was made for a moment. It was meant to be tossed out. Greg rescued it because he knew its value. He had great affection for it. And he certainly wanted to study it as well because as a kid, he had been a model maker. Yep. So he would go, in this auction is a 1942, is a bus, a double-decker bus miniature from a 1942 Laurel and Hardy film, one of their very last films for Fox. So in 1975, I believe, Fox was destroying the ranch, which is now the Malibu State Park. Right. So Greg heard that they were going to demolish the storage facility. Storage compartments, storage compartments. Yeah, so he went out there and he said, I'll give you X amount of money to spend X amount of days rescuing 
before the bulldozers show up. And he's pulling this stuff out of, as I've been told by his family, while the bulldozers are coming. Like he's getting everything he can rescue. Like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Exactly. Well, it's interesting because I'd like to say this is a time when Hollywood did not value the past, but you know, that's kind of the way it is now, but I, I, at least now they, they hold on to the stuff because they figure there's some value in it. But back then, it, it, you know, there were all these flats of like Tara from Gone with the Wind and these, th these things often get thrown out. You know, when MGM was sold, all, all this Hollywood history ended up in a dumpster. And we're lucky that so many of these people, like, right, were dumpster divers. They would hear Paramount was throwing out something or whatever, and they would go to the studio and they would save this stuff. We owe them such a debt of gratitude because all this stuff would be lost. Because remember, there, at that time, the there, were, there were so few people collecting this stuff because it, it just, first of all, it wasn't available generally. And uh, there hadn't been a market developed for it. And the studios didn't care because they only value the final you know, product, the films or the television shows. And, uh, and so they were throwing this stuff away left and right. Uh, famously, MGM had a, uh, basically a landfill that they filled up. Far be it for me to be fair to the studios in 2023. But uh, the other thing to remember about some of this stuff is that Number one, they, they never really knew what they had. And number two, they had to keep it someplace. And number three, uh, real estate in Los Angeles. Um, so, I mean, you kind of look at it, you know, from, from that point of view, it just, it feels very often like film is a, is a disposable art. Um, and it's, I think, largely driven by the fact that it's, uh, it's incredibly hard to, to archive this stuff, like whether it's props or it's models or it's costumes. Um, and it really has been, you know, people like Greg uh, who just take an interest in finding that stuff, whether it's Star Trek related, you know, or it's, you know, My Fair Lady. It's like there's, there's somebody out there who goes, that has value to me personally. I find it beautiful. Um, and those people become those initial collectors who kind of make this kind of thing possible. Well, I know what I've got here. And I'm looking at 21 production photos of Yvonne Craig as Batgirl from Batman. It's a, a starting bid of $500. But it makes me remember, uh, Greg Jean used to send out these Christmas cards. And uh, these Christmas cards were very, you know, bawdy. Um, usually there was a naked woman uh, draped around like Robbie the Robot or some kind of sci-fi icon. And, uh, I, you know, it was always you'd get them every Christmas and you kind of looked forward to them because they were always very creative. And um, this is just, uh, you know, it's so remarkable, you know, and, and, and scripts, you know, various different drafts of episodes. And, you know, a lot of the Star Trek stuff exists thanks to Gene Roddenberry, who donated a lot of his stuff to UCLA. But not all of it is in the collection. And, you know, so much of that is you know, now up for sale. And I mean, here it's even the progenitor of Star Trek. Look at this, the Forbidden Planet five-piece crew uniform, starting bid $4,000. This is, you know, the, the um, Forbidden Planet uniform, which was, you know, obviously huge inspiration to Gene um, on Star Trek. And we, we did an episode of the podcast on Forbidden Planet's influence on Star Trek. It, not that he'd ever admit it. Not that he ever admitted it, he denied it. Um, I mean, it, the license plate from the Batmobile, the Bat One, Gotham City. I mean, it. Do you think he went to the DMV for that? Yeah, he paid extra. Okay, but he could like afford he stood it. Stood in line. He was Bruce Wayne. Yeah, so he could afford to pay extra. Um, here is look at this. 
the captain's uh, the, the green wraparound. The green, green. uniform. Uh, That's um, the first wraparound, I believe. He has both. Of course he did. Of course he does. I mean, it's 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 extraordinary. I'm looking at there's a tricorder here. Um, he had two. He had two because in case what happens to one, you got to have a second one. But of Greg, it was interesting because I heard these stories that Greg he became the chief sort of. He was the guy that if you had a phaser, you came to and said, is this a real phaser? Right. Greg apparently had a giant box full of fake phasers. Because when people brought him over, he said, no, that's junk, and he'd throw it in the fake phaser box. But there was a point where someone uh, fooled him for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And he had a bunch of these that they thought were real. And finally it came out that, no, this guy was making almost perfect replicas of stuff. And Greg found that he had paid a lot of money for fakes. Mm. But they're still beautiful. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. He enjoyed all of this stuff, no matter if it was fake or not. Preserved in almost perfect detail. That's right. Um, $4,000 starting bid. Mark Leonard's Romulan Commander. It's a three-piece uniform ensemble, of course, from Balance of Terror. I mean... In another reality, we could have called him friend. It's just stunning. And then, I mean, here we are. Look at the shuttlecraft. And, the, the, you know, the story behind the shuttlecraft is obviously so fascinating. Um, how they didn't have a life-size shuttlecraft or, or filming miniature, which they needed, and only by making a deal with AMT model kits. Um, and in exchange for the license, they created the, the miniature as well as the life-size uh, set. Um, and it's gorgeous. And the, the shuttlecraft... Oh, this, this is heartbreaking. This is a starting bid of $60,000... But oh I left God. it in my other pants. <laughs> I mean, someone is going to be very happy when they... And I, I have a feeling this is going to go for a lot more than $60,000. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the shuttlecraft, the body bay, the X-wing, the stormtrooper costume, the 2001 outfit. Yeah. It's one of the few surviving 2001. It's the helmet all the way to the backpack, the front pack, the whole costume. Very fragile, most of it. But the fact is, look, I... It's a weird thing to be around this stuff. And I, look, if you're any, since we're in Austin, I assume y'all can drive down to Dallas and see this stuff. Drive up to Dallas, sorry. I went to school here, you'd think I know better. Um, you should see it. Because once you see it, it really does add a different dimension to our affection for these things. Yeah. I mean, to hold a phaser, to look at the only Botany Bay ever made, and certainly to see it all these years later is a really remarkable feeling. There is something magic that these items possess. No matter how beat up they may be, no matter how faded these, some of these costumes are, most of them look like they just stepped off the set, because Greg really preserved this stuff extraordinarily well. He had but, racks and racks of yeah. costumes that he kept. And to see it all in person, and to be around it and to look at, to stand eye to eye with that stormtrooper when it's assembled is a truly otherworldly experience, as it were. And it's so important, Robert makes such a good point, because you look, you know, people, some people were first discovering Star Trek with something like Strange New Worlds with its $15 million budget and all the advancement. You know, look back and say, oh, the old Star Trek was cheesy or whatever. You look at all the imagination and creativity that went into Star Trek and how brilliant and how everything stands on the shoulders of giants. Uh, uh, the imagination on display with the limited resources that they had other than just immense creativity and talent. Wah Chang, 
um, Matt Jeffries, all these people, um, and it's incredible. And uh, I mean, this is the depth of the collection. I mean, this is extraordinary. They have the teacher from Spock's brain. I only can imagine <laughs> how he ended up with that. $8,000 is the starting bid. This is that, you know, uh, McCoy puts it on to uh, educate himself how to A child reconnect the Spock's brain. <laughs> and it's just, it's extraordinary. It's like, how did this ever get saved? And it also has the, the um, control pads, the iMorgs wear, uh, in Spock's brain. Now this is a thousand dollars. The givers of pain and delight. But it's so memorable from this episode. Um, it's just extraordinary. But even the deep, because we've seen like, yeah, uniforms have gone on sale, phasers, all you expect that, right? But this is the we illuminating the switch box from "For the World Is Hollow" and "I Have Touched the Sky." Starting bid fifteen hundred dollars. Look on that on that front page that you just had the Universal Translator. From uh, uh, arena, arena, but it doesn't work. It won't. It won't work no. for you. But but that that shot that you have in the catalog is exactly when Shatner is saying, "I'm engaged in personal combat with a creature apparently called a Gorn." It's it's so iconic, and it's right there, and it's amazing. And who knows what dirt got in that thing from Vasquez? It has Shatner's fingerprints and Vasquez Roxas dirt. On it. We have also have the, the, the Gorn hands, by the way. Yes. And then who wouldn't want this? This is the Klingon Battlecruiser. This is a test model miniature from Star Trek Phase Two, the never-made TV show from the mid-70s. This says a starting bid of $6,000. It's a, basically, it is the Klingon D7. The reason they didn't have the miniature around anymore, so he recreated it for the yeah. model test. It's, it's gorgeous. Because the original's in the Smithsonian. Because it's as it has And that's actually one that Greg made. That's when yeah. Greg first got employed to work on Star Trek. The thing that he loved more than anything was for phase two. Yeah. And of course, if you're worried about COVID, there's the Zenite mining gas mask from uh, the Cloud Minders, starting bid $2,500. And look at this. I mean, it's just, I mean, I just, I, I, you know, I hear the stories and I've heard the stories and I wonder how did, I mean, just everything. Just from every kind of 79 episodes. I mean, cloud minders. This is the weapon. Here's Jeff Corey holding the, 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 the mining tool, the cloud miners. I said dig. I mean, and these aren't even good episodes. And who wouldn't want them? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's easy to say, I want stuff from City on the Edge of Forever. I'm going to go get that. But, you know, it's like he has, no matter what the episode is, he has, I mean... The Klingon disruptor pistol is here, starting bid at twenty thousand dollars. That thing has got it's got weight too. It's a beautiful thing to hold. And it works. You know what you doesn't work? You know what disappointingly doesn't work? The agonizer from Mirror Mirror. Yeah. Also we do have good it. for children. Yeah. We do have it. I'm sure it'll cause someone agony when they bid too much for it. <laughs> well, you can always buy the knife that goes with it. That's right. That is uh, great. And it's only volume one of the catalog. I'm, I'm going to look at some of the other things. What are your personal favorites, Rob? Of of, let's, let's just say, say you had very deep pockets, so you could just, you, you could say, I want this, 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 and this. What are, what are some of the highlights of the collection? Do you if think? I had deep pockets, and having spent 30 years in journalism, I do not have deep pockets. I'm lucky I have pockets. But if I could, it's a weird thing. I, like, I don't, somebody asked me the other day, a reporter from the AP said, what would you buy if you could? And it's, the three of you know this, everybody who's here knows this, you can't pick one, two, five, ten things. 
Because it would be the Galileo, it would be Botany Bay, but it would also be a communicator. Yeah. It would be the agonizer, it would be the universal translator, it would be Uhura's earpiece. It would be the Kirk's jacket from Wrath of Khan. It would be any number of pieces. I mean, there's also an X-Wing. I mean, it's Red, it's red, red One, red one red is leader. in there, Red Leader, um, which was also used for some of Red Five shots, too. I mean, God, I'd like to have a utility belt. I mean, I loved all this stuff but as much as... But it doesn't have the shark repellent. It's not complete. What happens if you run into sharks? Especially on land. Then I'm screwed. That's right. Yeah. Ashley, I know for you, it has to be the moon base alpha tunings. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't just have... Um, Chris, Chris Cooling, Space 1999, pretty cool, huh? So um, he got the um, various moon base alpha... Does it have like the swing line stapler ray gun? Well, I'm looking. It has, okay. you know, the the, um, the helmets. And does it have the uh, the pistol? I believe so. Yes. Oh, sweet. Man. I would like to. Does I would have Maya like, the shapeshifter. I would love to have Aaron Gray's helmet from Battle from Buck Rogers because I loved the way that thing looked, and I also have a very nice autographed picture of Aaron Gray. Hanging That's funny office. because Darren would love to have Aaron Gray. Who wouldn't? Um, no. Who wouldn't? Don't I'm, just put it all on me. I'm trying to be very reasonable in my expectations. Now. Uh, you know, once we get past Star Trek, I mean, Logan's Run, the Sandman outfit, starting bid $2,000, but it also has the hero gun, which is, you know, what we recreated for Free Enterprise, which almost lit Eric McCormick on fire, true story. Um, and, that's, <laughs> and the tracker. What? And the tracker. And the tracker. The tracker was starting bid $1,000, and the, uh, the, the flame pistol, $4,000. And this is not from the TV series. This is from the actual movie. But you can't bid on Sanctuary. No, because there is, there is no sanctuary. sanctuary. Um, and look at this gorgeous stuff from Close Encounters. The alien, you talked about this earlier, uh, the maquette of the alien mothership, $3,000. I think uh, that'll go for a lot more. Considering that the actual mothership is in the Smithsonian. Right? Yeah. Again. And you, you can't evade the turbo lasers because Death Star turbo laser cannon, $3,000. It's an actual turbo laser from Return of the Jedi. Um... I, I, it's just, I mean, and here's another. I mean, talk about kitschy, wonderful stuff. These, now, I remember my parents when I asked for the Star Wars Early Bird, which was the famous set where they couldn't produce enough Star, Star Wars figures in 77 for Christmas. So they would send you an empty box, and then a couple, six months later, they send you the figures. My parents said, we're not getting you an empty box. Well, you know what? It's worth $1,500 now. Starting bid. <laughs> they screwed me. No, that's just the opening bid. I yeah, believe it's yeah, probably worth significantly bit. more than that. Now, the crazy thing is I asked you guys, what would you buy? And, you know, there's so much here I've seen. But, oh, my God, the, 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 the Colonial Viper from the original Battlestar Galactica starting bid $15,000. I mean, I have the Eagle Moss one, but it's not quite the same. Um, it's almost as rare, though. I, I mean, Cylon Raider, $15,000 um, starting bid. Um, the hero Cylon from Galactica 1980. They'll pay you for it. Um, <laughs> no, starting bid, $8,000. I have a very funny story about the... We had some Cylon 80 stuff, uh, Battlestar 80 stuff recently, and somebody bought it and was very disappointed because he, he, he bought stuff from the original Battlestar Galactica and was disappointed that it wasn't from Battlestar Galactica 80. What the hell? What was that? Well, I don't know. There's no accounting for taste. Um... It's interesting because he has the, this is fa famous, from Laser Blast, the Greg Jean uh, alien spaceship 
um, uh, $2,000. And the thing is, this is where I first heard, of all things, this is where I first heard of Greg Jean, in the pages of Starlog, when Laser Blast was in production. And they did a whole article about Greg and the alien and the ship. And that's where I heard, oh, there's Greg Jean. I remember when I met him. I'm like, oh my God, I met the guy who did Laser Blast. Little did I know that, you know, all these years later, we'd be talking about him and his amazing collection. I didn't see it in there. Is the Dark Star in there? The Dark Star is in there. Nice. So you've got it the didn't dark, blow itself up? You've got the Dark Star. It's, a, it's this big. Oh, okay. It's it was John real. Carpenter's first film. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you've got all of the ships and the guns that he made for Flesh Gordon. Right. That was his first job. Oh, my you God. You said that right. You have... Ranger 3 from Buck Rogers. That's right. Frozen by cosmic forces beyond imagination. That is incredible. Um, no, look at have this. Thrown into an orbit a thousand times more vast. Look, Way I more vast. I cannot believe the Ranger 3 starting bid $6,000. Boy, I don't know how I'm going to tell my wife uh, <laughs> that the kids can't go to college. Show? I heard you were divorced, Altman. Well, you know, I bought... <laughs> the Ranger 3. I turned it into a martini shaker. The, yeah, they got the, the Starfighter, which is $10,000, right. which is much better than the model kit I built as a kid. The Draconian Hatchet Fighter. I would hope so. $10,000. It's, it's interesting, though, because a lot of the stuff in here is not starting at 5000 or 15000 or There's stuff in here that starts at five hundred, including the Enterprise nameplate from First Contact, right. which I believe starts at $500. And it's an amazingly cool thing to see because it's every name on it is an actor from the film or somebody in production or Gene Roddenberry and so forth. That starts at 500. Now, granted, it won't go for that. No. But especially are, not now that people are listening to this podcast. But at least correct. you can feel good that you bid. You know. That's right. That's, I always like to say I just got to experience the yes. pleasure of not winning the auction. And you right. say I was outbid. Oh, really? How much should go for? $80,000. How much did you bid? Well, I, I, $150,000. Right. You, know? um, you should see my bid history. It looks remarkably oh. similar to that. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Cooling just did a wonderful series of episodes on his podcast, Forgotten TV, about V. And I see here they have a collection of over 100 sci-fi television scripts, including V, Babylon 5, and, wait for it, Tales of the Gold Monkey, starting bid, $500. Chris, you better start saving up. Because Does he have the gold monkey? Well, Steve, Stephen Collins does. Oh, okay. Um, okay, too soon. Sorry. Yeah. It's surprised he hasn't auctioned that yet. Oh my God! All the V ships. Yeah, because Greg I, built them. I know, but it's just it's, it's yeah, killing me. What do you me. think? It's like. Bless you. It's like you could. You Mark, could look, I'll let you, you spend the night touch. at the uh, at that Heritage one night if you'd like. It'd be just like night at the museum, only different. The Martian war machine maquette. This is just killing me. The Mars Federal Colony Police Helmet from Total Recall, $500. Yeah. I mean, this really is, for anybody who loves motion pictures and television, I mean, especially genre, I mean, this is, this is just great. We barely touched on, you know, this is the Romulan um, from Next Generation, the one with the shoulder pads, the one that looks like it's Joan Crawford. Um, this is uh, $500, the Romulan walk-around costume from Paramount Park's Star Trek The Experience. Uh, and that starts at $500. I mean, so, you know... Uh, look, it's going to obviously go up. It's going to be... But, you know, you might just have a shot at that, maybe. Um, uh, you know, you won't be getting a lot of Christmas presents this year, but... Um, one big, great one. You got the tricorder. Well, there's the Deep Space Nine doorbells. And, of course, uh, Greg worked on Trials and Tribulations, so he recreated a lot of classic stuff for um, that magnificent episode of Deep Space Nine. 
Um, but here's some nice Deep Space Nine, the Bajoran fa Phaser, that $1,000. Um, Garrick's Cardassian Phase Disruptor, $1,000 starting bid. Um, and of course, as you mentioned earlier, William Shatner's Starfleet Ensemble from Generations, and that starts at $8,000. And it's just gorgeous, you know, the, you know, everything Shatner wore was gorgeous. He just wears it so well. And um, He was a small man, too. That's the most amazing but thing. But large in stature. That's right. You know, now it kills me that I gave all his wardrobe from Free Enterprise to Planet Hollywood can. I should have saved it and given it to you. Pay for my kid's college education. Um, well, we'll sell some Free Enterprise scripts if you'd like. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Did Greg have any of those? Probably should have given it to Greg at least. Sell um, the script to Free Enterprise too. What, what about you, Ashley? I mean, you've heard some of the things that are at auction. What do you wish you could have from this amazing auction? Keeping in mind, we haven't even talked about Lost in Space stuff, Green Hornet stuff, Commander yeah, Cody, and there's the... Uh, I avoided intentionally. The Lost in Space ATV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the chariot, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, look, I know there are a lot of Lost in Space fans out there. You are not yeah. one of them. Not so much. I, I would I'm like with you. Steve Austin's original arm from the $6 million man, the one they had to remove and replace. Oh, That's what I would be looking for. Yeah, well, you know... Uh, one covered in meat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I think Lee Majors is going to be auctioning it off. To it? Uh, <laughs> says, well, we are in Austin, after <laughs> that, all. That's right. The six million dollar man. What, like, what about you? If money was no option, let, let's just say, what of the stuff we talked about? What are some of the things you would love to have, and and why? Like, is it? To do nostalgia? Is it because you want to have it to give to your kids? Is it because it's just something so special to you? Or you're, you're, you're so fascinated by film and TV? I'm just curious why... Or is it because you want to do unnatural things with it? And that's a valid answer. Because it's your shit now. Go ahead. I think for me it's Botany Bay. Botany Bay? <laughs> Sorry. But when that was made, Greg made it. He made the Botany he did, Bay. He didn't make the Botany Bay. Um, the, the guys on the original show did because Greg never worked on the original show but he was around. But you know what else they have? If you can't afford the Botany Bay, there's something a little cheaper, which you may want, the SETI eel. Right. You right? can put it in your box. That is correct. It'll make you do things. Tell lies. The mother. <laughs> it's very large. It's, ma it's it, mounted. It enters as through the ears and wraps themselves around the cerebral cortex, rendering you quite susceptible to suggestion. Now tell yes. me, where is Admiral Kirk? <laughs> um, okay, sorry, we, we went off on a little tangent there. I was getting to Vulcan Luke. I mean, that, you know, that, that's a special piece. It's unique. And you're wearing a Jason sir? Isbell shirt, Are you too, a so you're a musically yeah. interested man. You, yeah. Would you play Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple on it? No, because everyone does, you know. <laughs> the, the, on the Vulcan Lear? Oh, yeah, Robert, you I, must know. I, I don't know offhand. Okay. It's not cheap, but it's not a, a stormtrooper. It's somewhere in between. Be watchful of young men in their velvet prime. Sorry, that's enough. Are you going to give us a full rendition <laughs> of I could have gone my whole life without hearing that song one more time. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful. Nimoy wrote it called Maiden Wine, and it's on one of his albums. And every time he says wine, it weirds me out. I don't know why. It's like hearing people say the word moist. I don't sing wine. Um, <laughs> Anyone else? Other, other thoughts? Yeah. So mm. I know. It's so funny. I'm such a huge Star Trek fan, and yet I'm more excited about the Galactica stuff. It's just like, what the hell? There's something wrong with me, clearly. Because you could use it to, to ride a motorcycle. 
right? You can use it to a flying motorcycle. Yeah. It's not as sturdy as uh, as you'd like to think it is, but yes, you yeah. you could wear it. I don't How know if it would like save that? you. You buy it now, and you know, and most people obviously get insurance. It's like great works of art where you get insurance, right? But say you know, you're just a fan. You buy it, and like you know, a, a, a month later, your kid's playing around with it. Like perhaps my kid, when I bought like expensive hot toys and sideshow toys, and all of a sudden I can't find my Blofeld, and I find out my kid is using it as Lex Luthor. That's messed up, right? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Anyway, other 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 things. Yes. Uh, Colonial warriors. See a lot of Galactica here. The way that hangs off the hoodie, but that's so. Awesome. It's very flattering. You know, it kind of gives you a nice little V shape, which is great. no V is something else entirely. Oh yeah, that V shape <laughs> is more like a lizard. A cave chain battler. Anyway, um, other yeah. The brass, brass monkey from Tales of the Gold Monkey. <laughs> the brass the monkey, beast monkey The Beast Boys beat you to monkey. it. Uh, the last part you find out, I think uh, Glenn Larson had it in his office. I bet he did. <laughs> he had it on his back. Glenn Larson. Man, I could tell you, well, you know, Glenn Larson stories. It, it, the Glenn Larson stories in my book, uh, So Say We All, man. Oh, he was, he was one in a million, that guy. He had this limo. He went everywhere in this giant stretch limo and like even when he was going to lunch he would go from universal to the restaurant which is literally across the street he'd have to take his limo it took more to get in the limo and take the limo across the street and then he talks about his kid talks about going on the universal studio tour in the limo so they were driving through like the six million dollar man tunnel instead of on a, in the tram in the limo I, wow he was the one that was a Glenn Larson, man, but he had, this was back in the day when nobody was striking because writers had more money than God back then. If I was working back in the day, Glenn Larson, we, we would be buying everything in this catalog, right? Yeah. Now yeah, it's you'd like... Be, you'd be writing at seven years old. Yeah, I would be writing at seven <laughs> years old. You know what? I was. But that was the perfect level of writing Reboots for reboots. some of Glenn Larson's shows. Easy. <laughs> I'm not saying Galactica. I'm saying some of the other shows, like uh, Nightman. Okay. Uh, other any, any other thoughts yet back there? Yeah, ton. Yeah. Robert, you, we talked about Space 1999. He was saying Jerry Anderson, other shows that... We have a ton of Space 1999. We have all the yeah. ships from Space 1999. We have the costumes. We have props. There's all kinds of stuff from Space... I would want an eagle. That's what any I UFO? I don't know. But you had... Oh, we got a lot of Thunderbirds. Yeah. We, oh, my God. A lot. And there were, I think there was... Thunderbirds other, must go. Let me look. Um, it's probably in session one because that stuff. But there's some oh, space 1999 there. The Thunderbirds are going stuff is in the. Oh, there's some Planet of the Apes stuff I missed. Well, there's um, there's Charlton Heston's NASA outfit or yeah, uh, it, uh, not NASA. It's a uh, cod piece. See, yeah. it's different. It's uh, U.S. something space USCA. agency. It's USC. two, three words, three letters. YMC. But it says no, Taylor no. on it. It's really quite lovely. Taylor. You know, it's crazy. I skipped over to Star Wars stuff and went right to Galactica. What the what? That's just nuts. To me, the Star Wars thing that I think is really amazing is he had that original production binder with the with that very first Ralph McQuarrie logo from 1976 on it, which is all the special effects shots in order. It's yeah. the storyboarded Star Wars. See, that's why there's so much to learn. Uh, but there is a... We haven't even talked about the Surak yet. I'm from right. Star Trek The Motion oh. Picture. The Vulcan shuttle. I, you had to bring that up. That's such a sore spot. I looked to see how much that was. I'm not getting it. <laughs> I mean, part of me, you know, hears us having this conversation about all of these things. 
And all I can hear in the back of my head is, um, it belongs in a museum, right? But a lot of museums do bid on this, right. don't a they? A lot of museums do bid on this stuff, but a lot of places, like we just had an auction from a guy named James Commissar, right. who was trying to open a television history museum. We had the All in the Family set. We had did you the play bar. Dirk Commissar when he you opened the auction? What's that? Dirk Commissar? We did not. No, oh, okay. Never I mind. twitch even when I think about it now. But we had the Cheers bar, the entire wow. bar from Cheers, with Kirstie Alley's name scratched into it, Rhea Perlman, Woody Harrelson. And for years, and we had Johnny Carson's set, we had Letterman's late night set, and we had all of these costumes and props. But James had tried to open a museum. Museums are very difficult to open. Yeah. They're even harder to maintain. So yes, some of this stuff does belong in the Smithsonian. Some of this stuff should absolutely be in a museum. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is there's too much stuff out there to fit it into any number of museums that it would be appropriate for. So that's why collectors, and look, collectors are not just collectors. Mm -hmm. They are caretakers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are custodians. Mm -hmm. Because without Greg, this stuff wouldn't exist to auction to the next generation, as it were, Absolutely. of collectors. So it's not just like, oh my God, that guy hoarded and kept and, and, and wouldn't share. Yeah, he, and preserved. He, he preserved. It. Preserved. Like he preserved it. He preserved it <laughs> and he conserved it. Yeah. He took care of this stuff in a way that only somebody who deeply and profoundly loved this material would care for it. That's why it exists. That's why it's in this catalog. That's why you can see it. And the fact is, if you just come see it, and again, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to invite everybody listening to your podcast. <laughs> but if you want to come to Heritage on October 13th, there will be a party. There will be all of Greg's friends. I will be moderating a panel with Lou Zutavern. I think John Eves will be there. A Did lot you say of October or September? October 13th. Okay. The auction is the 14th. September 13th is when the moon blasted out of orbit. Yes. So we're going to have all these guys there talking about Greg, talking about model making, talking about Star Trek, and all of this other science fiction cinema history. And all of these things will be out for people to look at. We're going to serve Romulan Ale. We'll serve all the good stuff. Sure, get them liquored up before they have to bid. Good idea. How do well, you get that across even, the neutral zone? It's not zone. even until the next day. Like, okay. we should serve Romulan Ale on the 14th. But no, <laughs> on the 13th we're going to do it because we're very decent people. And by the way, if you haven't heard our memorial to Greg Jean on the podcast from a year and a half ago, uh, Bill George was our guest on that, the brilliant visual effects supervisor, model maker, and just a fantastic talent. Um, and you should check it out. It's a great, it's called Remembering Greg Jean. So you should check it out. I listened to it and I thought it was fantastic. It helped me write the piece I had to write about Greg. Oh, oh thank you. On the, it's on Inglorious Treasures. Now, I want to read this description. I want to see who can guess first what this item is. Vintage original white polyester satin piece ensemble, including one-sleeve pullover ribbed V-neck tunic with detachable collar and embroidered... Aaron Gray's costume on Buck Rogers. Yeah, it is. It is. Visual imagination, man. I'm very <laughs> disturbed that you knew that that quickly. Starting bid 2000. It's like, name that tune, except it's name that outfit. Remember, um, we had Aaron Gray on our podcast as a special non-Star Trek guest, and she was luminous. And she was very sweet, and she told lots of uh, fun stories about uh, Buck Rogers and other things. Well, yeah. she used to manage Michelle Nichols, too, right? That's correct. She did. She did. Um, I got to tell you, I'm so excited about this auction. And um, Robert was, like I said, kind enough to bring these mini catalogs. So if you haven't got one, you should check it out. And, box um, right in the corner of the uh, And uh, it'll be announced officially on September 8th. Uh, 
the anniversary of... Um, of the United States premiere of Star Trek. The United States premiere of Star Canada Trek. Because Canada had it, what, two days earlier? On NBC. Um, this is just a remarkable collection uh, of a remarkable individual. And uh, we're never going to see anything like this again. You'll see pieces that are fantastic, but never this many spectacular pieces. From so many things. one place. It's no, Joe Maddalena, our executive vice president, who's in charge of this particular auction, he reminds me daily that this is a once-in-a-lifetime event. We have entertainment memorabilia auctions, some significant collections all the time. But to have all of Greg's material mm -hmm. and have all of this history, again, spanning Laurel and Hardy, Commander Cody, all the way to Star Wars V, and certainly Battlestar Galactica, and this extraordinary repository of Star Trek material which everybody in this room, especially the guy wearing the mirror mirror vest back there, <laughs> uh, will profoundly fall in love with. is something that I, I can't get beyond. And, and again, I never imagined I'd work in the auction world. But it's for auctions like this one that I'm very glad that I do. Oh, that's great. Well, I want to, are there any last questions before we wrap up? Yep. Is the full auction catalog that you're looking through It will be available September 11th. It is, again, the auction opens on Friday, September 8th, so the 11th. And uh, if you email me at robertwnha.com, I will make sure that I get you and everybody listening a catalog. Nice. And they ain't cheap. And I'm going to get it to you for free. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you won't be able to touch it. <laughs> well, you, your husband is certainly, you and your husband are v my invited guests to Heritage Auctions on Valley View and 183 in Dallas, Texas to come by and see it. Well, the best part is we're very close to DFW Airport, so you just have to fly in, look at the stuff and fly out, or spend a really lovely day in my hometown of Dallas. Or if you have an X-Wing, you can just, uh, um, oh, just don't fly. Um, if you throw them hard enough, they do. Is there a Tronya bottle? I don't believe there is. From Corp my Maneuver. No, because remember, it was served in a punch bowl. <laughs> yeah. That's Clint why Howard this is my favorite. In this that is, punch bowl, I got to tell you guys, this is why this is the only podcast I will listen to. Aww. You. you speak my language. <laughs> we fluently. Right? And you're way... It takes it to a level that I can't even begin to imagine Insanity. one day achieving. Yeah. But it's really remarkable. And like I said, I've, I've, I've known Mark's work and certainly your work, Darren, for years. And big fan of all of it. So you guys it's are doing incredible a incredible that we've known each other for so many years. And, and I was thinking, and you know, the way that Robert was reintroduced to us um, was that our good friend Ryan Condell, all of us, who um, does, not only is he the showrunner of House of the Dragon, but he does a fantastic podcast called um, uh, The Stuff Dreams Are Made Of. The Stuff Dreams Are Made Of with David Mandel from Veep. And, um, that they, will be in the office, they will be in the office for several days this week. Yeah, nice. and they are so, um, uh, you know, they have, both of them have a spectacular collection. I know Ryan would be very upset if I mentioned some of the things he has. He's very um, security conscious. They just did a big Forbes piece on those guys and their collection. They're, they're, they're really great guys. And um, Ryan said, to Heritage, you should really talk to the Trexperts, you know, since there's so much um, Star Trek stuff. And 
obviously Robert having known Darren and, and known me, it was so great. I mean, when did I talk to you? Was it about Deep Space Nine or Voyager? We or? talked about, I went back and reread the piece the other day. It was from 1999. <laughs> oh it, was my the God. Salon, it was the Salon piece that I did about, it was the death of Star Trek, basically. It was about, it was essentially you pitching your Wild Bunch idea for Star Trek. Oh, God. But it's the way, you know, it's interesting that, you know, these eddies and currents in time bring us together right. after all, I mean, this is a long time, 1999, mm -hmm. and that we're all, you know, reunited again by Greg. Yeah. You know, which was something he did in his lifetime, bringing right. people together, you know, who had this shared passion for this thing called Star Trek. And Battlestar Galactica. And Batman. This, this catalog represents a life of love and fandom and art and so many things that uh, are lost now that Greg's gone, but at least we have this representation of his journey. Yeah. And listen, uh, thank you for making the journey to this panel. We know it's late, and thanks for sticking it out. Um, we have a couple of panels tomorrow, Walter Koenig and Terry Farrell and uh, Armin Sherman tomorrow. I hope you'll join us for that. We'll be at our booth tomorrow if you want to pick up some of my books. or Yes, just get, the booth. Uh, uh, honorary Trexpert certificate signed or um, uh, post free posters. We give away all that stuff for free other than my books. We'll also, <laughs> if you have friends who want to pick up a few of the remaining catalogs, we'll have that as well. And... Um, as always, you can listen to Inglorious Trexperts every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. But, you know, thank, I hope you enjoyed your first GalaxyCon in Austin, because they do great shows. Uh, Mike and his team are fantastic. There's always growing pains with the new show, but hopefully they'll be here for a long time to come. This is a great convention. Yeah. Can I ask a silly question? Is there anybody here who doesn't have Mark's books? Like, you're See? here. You should have Mark's books. They like, don't. The 50-year mission is a... The starting bid. It's $14,000. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> I, uh, no, actually, if you do have a chance, you come down. I'm, I'm happy to sign them. And, you know, I, it, it sounds disingenuous, but they're really good books. So... I, um, as someone who's not employed by him, they are really good books. Thank you, Robert. I, and from a journalist like yourself, that, that means a lot. I, I was very lucky. The books did extremely well, and, and people have been very kind, and the reviews have been great. But it was a real labor of love, and I think part of it was because I got pulled back in to Star Trek because I kind of kept saying no to doing these books, and I got convinced to do it. And then once I did it, I was all in. And um, I was very envious. Because as a, as a writer, there are very few books that I'd like to do. The kind of journalism that you did about the history of Star Trek is that kind of book. And then people ask, are you going to do volume three on the new shows? I'm like, no. I'll Although I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of uh, softening my stance on that. Because we <laughs> might now, after Picard season three, I might be willing to. So we'll see. Anyway, oh, yeah, go ahead. Is there anybody you wanted to get from the oral interviews that you did? Well, um, people were dead. Um, so quite a few, gone, basically. Oh, <laughs> but, but, um, no, Gene Kuhn. I, I have to say... Are you there? Uh, <laughs> I have to say, um, the, the person I was trying to get for the longest period of time was Rick Berman, who kept turning us down. He was my wife. <laughs> Gee, I can't imagine why. And, and, and you know, at the, and <laughs> a bunch of people, like Brandon and everybody, said, you really should talk to Mark. And I, and I kept saying yeah, you should really have him talk to me because I had a lot of people on the record who said, you know, pretty not good things about him. And I wanted him to 
you know, explain from his perspective, because I, I thought it was actually somewhat unfair and one-sided. I wanted Rick to have his piece, and Rick finally said yes, and he said, but, you know, I'm only going to talk to you for a half hour. You know, four hours later, or whatever it was, uh, he said, well, thanks. I said, you were my white whale. And he said, well, you finally got your harpooned your white whale. And he was great. And I was really glad that I was able to balance out some of the criticisms uh, of, uh, of Rick that were leveled by some of the people that he worked with. And I, I felt it was a lot more fair uh, to him than it would have been had he not participated. So I was very happy to have Rick. And I actually have a pretty good relationship with Rick these days. Um, but, you know, as they say, time heals all wounds. I mean, Mike Pillar used to call me the Antichrist of Star Trek, but Michael was a sweetheart. And, you know, Michael, I always loved. And even when I was being critical of the show, he never took it personal. I mean, I remember when Free Enterprise, to, I invited him to the premiere, and he was there with, you know, with Sandra. He was there, you know, because he never resented, even if, like, I said, this season of Voyager was a travesty of a mockery of a sham, you know, whatever I would say about it. And he, he, but he, he would argue with me. He would say, I think you're wrong. But um, he, was, he was great, and I love that about him because a lot of people are very thin-skinned, including me, <laughs> about criticism, and, you know, aren't as forgiving as somebody like Mike Pillar, who is just an extraordinary man who I have so much respect for. By the books. Oh, there you go. That's amazing. And then uh, read them. Any, Don't just any collect final them. words about this? He doesn't thing. care if you read them. You just buy Th them. This is... <laughs> I do care. I care. Um... <laughs> This is a great Gene panel. And Darren, why don't you finish by just a few words uh, um, about, you know, uh, our honored uh, departed dead. I'm just happy that uh, people will be able to share, not only in the catalog, but, uh, you know, people will be able to take care of these things now and, uh, and to enrich their own lives uh, with uh, what he treasured. And I think that's a great thing. And it, it continues the line from the original creation on through into the future. And it reminds people who Greg was. Absolutely. Because the fact of the matter is, the reason the AP is doing the story was because the writer at the AP wasn't so inept. I don't think she's ever seen Star Trek. I don't think she'd ever seen Close Encounters. But she was fascinated to know about who Greg was mm -hmm. because he had worked on so many things that she did know, mm -hmm. that she did love, and she was very interested. He'd done something in a craft that is quickly disappearing, yeah. making these miniatures. She loved the idea of talking about and talking to all of these guys about somebody who made this little shack from 1941 that looked enormous on the screen, and Devil's Tower for that matter. That's right. So, we don't have the Ferris wheel from We do not have the Ferris wheel, but we have the, the bait shack and we have the John Belushi's airplane. Well, yeah, the Japanese submarine? We do not. We have some V'ger, but the they great, have Christopher Lee. The great thing you, is, <laughs> the great yep. thing is, he's really not dead as long as we remember him. I'm not going to say another word. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Uh, we really appreciate. It. We'll see you soon. Thank you, everybody. Tomorrow you. or at another great Galaxy Con. Good night. How phenomenal is that? How how, yeah. how wonderful. It's not wonderful because I can't buy any. I, I was like, the stuff I want, I can't have. I mean, yeah. it's just, my wife would kill me. I, well, I mean, it's I, just you like, know, it, the, but even besides that, I mean, we're all in the same boat. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, the strike is on. We don't have any, uh, any, yeah. uh, income to, uh, uh, quote unquote, throw away on such frivolities, but, uh, nope.
Look, it's uh, it's something that I'm sure that in our dreams we would be glad to own and cherish, but uh, it is not to be. So that's just how it is. It's not to be, Cherie. I got to tell not you, though, to be. I, you know, I, as much as I and I think I said this during the during the panel, as much as I'd like some of that Star Trek stuff, there have been such great replicas of a lot of this stuff yeah. that I own that I almost would be more interested in having the Galactica and Buck Rogers stuff. But I know that's just me. You guys don't have that You're right, same attachment. Although the have. Starfighter from uh, Buck Rogers is very cool, and I enjoy that design yeah. very much. And Logan's Run. How great would that be? Well, yeah. just as long as you're not you accidentally outfit, accidentally though, killed. I don't have a Sandman outfit. I have a I have a sweatshirt that I got from Amazon that kind of looks like a uh, a Sandman outfit, but uh, yeah. it's all I don't need the space nineteen ninety nine stuff because the replicas on space nine are so gorgeous that yeah uh, uh, Jerry, uh, that um, Jamie Anderson does in sixteen twelve or whatever they are. They did do uh, such yes. a beautiful job. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, but um, so much stuff I would love to have, but you know. What would you like uh, to have, Ashley? I, I don't quite have a handle on you yet. You know what? I, you know what I think it is. It's um, I've never, other than my comics, I've never really been a, a collector. Somebody actually asked me today, um, you know, of you know all the various things I've collected. What's my favorite, or anything like from the shows and the movies mm-hmm. I've worked on? And there really isn't much of anything. It's like I, I you know. If I were to, to to say there's anything that stands out, it wasn't something I could have collected. It's I got to hold the original uh, 45 long slide with laser sighting uh, from right. the uh, the first Terminator film because we used it on an episode of of Sarah Connor, and that to me, you know, that that memory, that very vivid memory, is is, is kind of good as as having the thing. And yet I look at that catalog and I want everything. Like I actually would want the. You're like Queen. You want it all. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. Mm. And Darren, you know, I got to thank you because I think the closest I ever got to touching the creator was... Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think was was uh, was when you were first doing the director's edition of Star Trek The Motion Picture yeah. for DVD and Foundation Imaging, you, you had, we opened the crate with the Enterprise and the Klingon, but you were using it for photo reference for the, yeah. for the, for the, for the uh, CG, the new CG. That was pretty amazing. It was. I mean, that, I would love you to know, see that, that original Enterprise model is, uh, is uh, unmatched and we got to uh, have some very special uh, time alone with it. Which was, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's exactly that. It yeah. is a, uh, it is a sensual uh, exploit. You like, you know, you poured a glass of wine, you put on some Barry White. Uh, actually, you know what? I just want to note it was the Enterprise that I got it, to see. The, Enterprise. the Enterprise. Enterprise. There is none other. I'm I'm pretty excited and I feel a little spoiled because uh, Heritage Auctions is about mm, 10 minutes mm-hmm. from my house. So you mm-hmm. bet I'm going to go visit that stuff and I'm going to look. Like, I'm going to treat it like the uh, the museum that it will temporarily be and just yeah. kind of enjoy being in the yeah. presence of those amazing yeah. things. And if you like this episode, uh, a great companion piece, not only to this episode, of course, is our Greg Jean Memorial from last year, but also our good friend Ryan Condell has a podcast um, and they'll be covering the auction as well. And that is called The Stuff That Made Us 
or the stuff the stuff that dreams it? are made the from. stuff that dreams are made the stuff that dreams are made of it's a wonderful podcast uh, from Ryan Condell he's the showrunner on um uh, House of the Dragon he ran Colony and he does the show with uh um the great David Mandel who was the showrunner on Veep and also did a wonderful miniseries called White House Plumbers recently and I highly recommend it I think they're going to do some great coverage and they can't afford to buy this stuff so it'll probably be even more interesting yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping uh, to be able to make it there for uh, the uh, the various uh, discussions they're going to have about uh, Greg's life and everything. And, well, if uh, you can make it there, you can to be make there. it anywhere. Well, that's what they that's say. Right. <laughs> um, well, I got to tell you, I guess, guys, you know, um, uh, we'll, we'll, there's a lot more to tell about Austin, and I think we're going to save that um, because right now. I have to admit, going into Austin, I wasn't sure what I was going to do about was this going to be my last episode or, you know, would I come back for the new season? Is this your last battlefield? Because I'm be. half white on one side, <laughs> white on the other. Um, and I, I, I really wrestled with this. I mean, I, I have to say, um, you know, Part of it was I was concerned when I when I decided I was going to leave the show that I was going to be too busy, not anticipating there would be a you know huge strike that sidelined us all um, from work, um, and just I felt like there was nothing left to say about uh, Star Trek, and a few things happened. You know, obviously the the the, the magic of Picard season three restored my faith. To a, a certain point that, you know, in Star Trek, Star Trek lived from again. a certain point of view. Um, you know, I think obviously, you know, Deck 78 has allowed us to explore other corners of the sci fi universe, so to speak. But more importantly than that, going to these conventions, I realized not only because I, I see the numbers every week, I know how huge the podcast is, but to see all these people who this podcast means so much to. And the stories that we've heard, the people during the pandemic uh, who, you know, we you know, say we helped them get through the pandemic or they lost a loved one and we were made them laugh at a time of great despondency. It's like we're, you know, running into like, a former president, Woodrow Wilson at the LBJ <laughs> Library. It's um, like Charlie Evans discovering all these people, all human like me. And then there's so many people who are just hearing about us for the first time and just discovering the podcast. Yeah, And, you know, also this is, you know, like one door closing, another door opens. I felt like this was the end of our five-year mission. How what would have been more perfect to do the show for five years and say, okay, you know, that's the end of the five-year mission. But we're about to start an all-new five-year mission, and I want to be a part of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay for at least another year, I've decided. You're going to stay, 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 stay. Stay, stay. stay. I, 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 or go. I mean, but I do, do it think, because that is I what you wish to do. It would be a great show without me. I think you guys would have done an amazing job. Well, but we I'm had a bunch of people lined up to uh, to uh, audition for your uh, for your part. Yeah, so we we're to pretty speak. excited about it. But uh, I guess we're going to have to make those phone calls now. Yeah. Hazel's going to be really upset. Yeah. But no, Scott you know what? Well, I, look, I for one. I'm glad that you will be with us uh, for a little while longer uh, because uh, we uh, we enjoy doing this and we enjoy doing it with you 
because uh, there is a chemistry that we all have together that uh, will not be matched by anyone else. So uh, right. it's it's good to have you stay. You know what we should have done? We should go camping left, by that big mountain. And you should have brought in David Gatro so he could finally have a job. <laughs> oh, see, that's not nice. Yeah, I know, oh. but the, you, that's what I'm saying. I think the balance would be thrown off if I left. The, 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 the podcast would be too nice. Because what would you do you without me? Well, you, I mean, everyone would be so nice. He would have to replace uh, our, you know, you who has an ego of uh, two AUs in diameter. So <laughs> <laughs> two oh AUs in diameter. <laughs> that's that's funny. Is this a roast now? It is. Yes. Um, informally. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. yeah, we we had the roast this weekend in Austin. Well, I don't want to talk about that. I want to wait. I want to wait. It was 101 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's so much more to tell about Austin. And uh, we'll be back next week with our season premiere. Uh, it'll be, uh, I'll tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be Jonathan Frakes Live. It's a pretty wow. spectacular conversation that uh, that we have with, with Jonathan. But we'll also share with you some great stories from Austin as well. So if you can wait just a little bit longer. We'll have um, uh, episode number one with number one. Yeah, number one exactly. with a bullet. 601, season six, episode one. Wow. That's can exciting. you believe, did you ever think, did you no. ever think when we started this Fakakta podcast, six years later, we'd still be doing it? Nope. Nope, I was uh, I was almost convinced that we would run out of stuff to talk about uh, after six months. You know? I was sure of it. I'm like, how much could you really say? But and yet we keep so many people. Yeah, you know what I think did it? It's strangely enough, it's moving to Zoom because moving mm. to Zoom suddenly the world opened up in terms That's of true. the kinds of people that we could talk to That's and true. the times we could talk to them. We had lots of uh, we had lots of desire for guests that we simply couldn't have because they couldn't come to the studio. Yeah, uh, it's true. But uh, you know, uh, knock on wood, uh, COVID and Zoom helped us uh, expand uh, virally. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because you know, just last week we had uh, uh, Franz Joseph Schnabelt on, and well, we had Schnabel. Karen we had Schnabelt. Schnabel. We had yes. Karen yeah. Karen Schnabelt on, and. Um, we wouldn't have been able to have had her on the show if it yeah. wasn't for Zoom, and yeah. she was wonderful. I mean, yeah, to to, to I, I mean, so again, the Trek archaeology. I've said this before when we had uh, um, Laszlo Pappas on talking about the photo novels, or yep. yesterday talking about the blueprints of the technical manuals. Uh, you know, it, it's always you know fascinating. Joe D'Agusta, um, yeah. you know, so many people that we would never have met um, if not for the show. I mean, I've met and spoken to many of the Star Trek cast and producers, but we've done so much deeper dive than we could have ever done in a book or a magazine article. Yeah. I mean, it's really exciting. And and now they've grown to like you and remember you. Yeah, right. they didn't back then. <laughs> That's for sure. I know. Me and Brent had a great... Well, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Me and Brent were fast friends, given the fact he hated my guts. 30 years ago. Um, that was a lovely, uh, lovely. We had a lovely conversation. So uh, <laughs> anyway, well, guys, uh, I'm glad to be uh, going on this journey with you for another season. Uh, and of course, our, our listeners, um, really, you made it possible. You convinced me. I mean, it was an outpouring of um, don't leave, you know, you picked the winner. Yeah. So 
I it was I seriously I was very close to I was very close to leaving and I really I got pulled back and uh, I'm glad I did. I'm looking forward to the new season. Just when and you thought you were out, they, they pulled, pulled me back, back in. Exactly. So anyway, again, if you want to get a catalog, very generously, uh, Robert Wolanski has offered to send catalogs to the listeners. And uh, you can email him at robertw at ha.com, H-A, that's Heritage Auctions. So, uh, and he'll send you a catalog. And they say, you know, not much in life is free, but in this case it is because you're a loyal listener of the podcast. So uh, reach out and even if you can't Touch afford someone. to buy anything, you'll really um, find this catalog spectacular. I mean, the catalog I mean, itself is a collector's item. It's a it's, work of yeah, beautiful. exactly. It's beautiful. Much like the lovely Droxine. <laughs> what were you saying, yes. Ashley? I'm sorry, I had to go for the joke. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just said the catalog is is beautiful. I was agreeing with Darren. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Every every so often, I agree with Darren. Every isn't page, the, it was something I wanted. Isn't yep. Droxine a kind of cookie? That's like an Oreo. No, that's a different. That's Hydrox. That's Hydroxine. That's Hydrox. <laughs> hydrox is the second rate Oreo. It's yeah. like the yeah, bad except version of it Oreo. came first. But anyway, did it? it sure did. So Oreo is the improvement on Hydrox. Yeah. Oreo is the is the theft of Hydrox. Well, it's That's just like you is. could say, you know, Star Trek is the improvement on Space Patrol. No, I wouldn't say that, but because okay. I, I was no. never a fan of Space Patrol, but that's okay because we continue on our journey. We're do a Space Patrol podcast into the Trexpert galaxy. Okay, well, if you're a fan of this podcast, we hope you'll rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, you can follow us on social and many different social channels, Inglorious Trek or Inglorious Trexperts. And you can reach out to us at trexpertsplus at gmail.com and subscribe and get the bonus podcast, Deck 78. You can subscribe via Inglorious Trexperts on uh, Spotify, or you can go to Apple Podcasts 430 Movie and subscribe that way if you'd prefer to listen through Apple Podcasts. Either way, you're getting Deck 78 as a special subscriber-only bonus podcast. We need to talk about the bonus situation. Yeah, let's talk about (laughs) the bonus situation. situation. We promise the bonuses. And one of these days, I'm going to trot out the uh, interview I did with Yafet Koto about Live and Let Die for the 15th. That would be awesome. dude. Yeah. He was great. I just got to cut out all the parts where he was talking about how he hated Sidney Poitier. So well, nobody uh, hated Sidney Poitier. And the part that he turns Jeff into Dakota. a balloon and explodes. Yeah. I don't know. That's well, pretty he cool. He goes on about that. He, he's, <laughs> and he had a whole thing where he goes on about how Barbara Broccoli should bring him back. That we didn't see him die. Wow. It's like he, we didn't see him die. He, he exploded. He exploded. Anyway. Wow. Well, yeah. he, uh, there you go. no chance of that now. No, no, those that that day has those days have passed, sadly. But he was a character, and uh, and uh, he was um, he was quite uh, a groundbreaking, you know, actor. Who I don't Absolutely. think got the due that he deserved for many of his legendary roles. God, he's so great in Alien. He's great in Live and Let Die. Whatever you think of the movie, totally. And yep. uh, and then of course, uh, you know, I love him in Across 110th Street. So, so many Ooh. great, and so many other great roles. That this season is ending. Our season oh, oh, yes. is ending. The season is ending. And yes. remember how we started the season? Uh, how no. did we start the season? I, I can't remember 52 episodes ago. The starship is landing. Remember that? Oh, my gosh. Right. Campaign. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Merchandise from CBS Paramount. Wow. Oh, my God. We did a whole episode talking about how stupid that was. It landed with a thud. 
It did yes. indeed. It did. It remains stupid. It will yeah. always be stupid. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you would say the enterprise is landing, not enterprise is landing. That's right. And of course, if the, it's landing, it's crashing. That's right. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Well, we're going to be back next week with our season premiere and the beginning of our second five-year mission. So join us, won't you? Until then, on behalf of Ashley Edward Miller, Darren Docterman, and returning host Mark A. Altman, keep <laughs> on trekking, ingloriously, of course. Amen. I'll start it at 150,000 pounds. 150. 60. 170. 170. 180. 190. 200. Against you, madam. Any more? Now there is a lady. 220,000 pounds. 240. James, stick to the business in hand. 260,000 pounds. 280. 300,000 pounds. And 20. Are you bidding, sir? 320,000 pounds, new bidder. That's interesting. You know it. Mm -hmm. Come out, car. Usually a seller. Marginal quality from dubious sources. 380,000 pounds, 400 in the center. Well, that should do it. Any more? Kamau's gone over the top. Your bid, sir, 400,000. 400,000. Any more? 425. New bidder. Thank you, sir. 425. Have you gone mad? Let's see how badly he wants it. 450? 450. 475? The bid is 450. 475? Against you, sir. No more than 450. The bid is 450,000 pounds. I have 475. 500,000 pounds. 500,000 pounds. I have half a million pounds. All done? Any more? Yours, sir. 500,000 pounds. 